0: Now, in a few moments, you will pass through these doors and join your classmates. But before you can take your seats, you must be sorted into your houses. They are Gryffindor, Hufflepuff, Ravenclaw, and Slytherin. From that very first moment, you can hear it in her voice, that immediate disdain for one particular house. But are all Slytherins really bad? Or is there an immediate bias? What do those of us who are sorted into Slytherin actually think about our own house? What is it like being a snake in a school of lions, eagles, and badgers? And what about one of the most famous Slytherins of all who did so much to change the perception of our house, Severus Snape? Today, we're diving into the qualities of the House of Slytherin and what it means to have those characteristics in our own personalities. It went bad, it wasn't in Slytherin. Ah yes, it's the house of bad wizards. J.K. Rowling establishes that right from the very first book in the Harry Potter series. Now, of course, this quote from the book actually comes from Hagrid, who tells Harry, there wasn't a single witch or wizard who went bad that wasn't in Slytherin. Welcome to episode two, where I discuss all things Slytherin and answer the question to the best of my ability, are Slytherins really all bad? Now, going back to Hagrid, of course, we can't really take his statement as completely accurate because it's based on his knowledge. And he did know a lot of dark wizards who did in fact come from Slytherin. So that's definitely his viewpoint. But of course, Harry takes this as immediate fact and it only adds to his early perception of the snakes. So let's start there, with the way Slytherin is presented to us in the books and films. Now I'm going to divide up this podcast into four basic parts. So let's start with the way Slytherin is presented to us in the Harry Potter series. Part 1. Perception versus Reality Now, I attend a lot of writers' conventions, a lot of fandom conventions, and in both of those places, at some point, Harry Potter topics tend to come up. And with that, everyone always wants to know everyone else's house. Now, with diehard fans, I find that most people are totally cool with whatever house you're in, and there's equal pride for all. But many times when I'm around people who aren't quite the same level of Potterhead, or I'm with people who know Harry Potter and probably have seen the movies, but that's about it, when I say that I'm a Slytherin, the response tends to be, oh, you're in that evil house, said with pretty much that same tone, which always makes me smile and, depending on how much time I have or who I'm talking to, usually launches me into a short dissertation about the qualities of my house, which I am, by the way, quite proud of. But the perception is there, no matter what. And honestly, we Slytherins can't really deny it. The cards are stacked against us when it comes to heroes versus villains, good wizards, dark wizards, and yes, we certainly claim the majority of the bad guys in the wizarding world. But nowhere in the books does it ever state that all Slytherins are evil. I find it pretty difficult to believe they would just allow an entire house of evil bad guys to run around the school getting a wizarding education, even if many of those pureblood families do have money and influence. So based on all we know, while there are a lot of bad apples in the bunch, it doesn't mean the whole house is that way. And of course, although Slytherin gets the reputation of being this pure-blood house, it's clearly not just populated with old wizarding families. I mean, we know for a fact that lots of pure-blood families are dispersed in all the houses of Hogwarts. And we also know that not everyone in Slytherin is wealthy or influential or even a potential Death Eater. Snape himself is an example of that student who came from a bad situation and also a half-blood background. So, since we see evidence of half-blood in our house, definitely there's no reason to think there would not be muggle-borns. Despite our founder's ideas on such, I don't actually see any rules spoken of at Hogwarts that forbids muggle-borns from being sorted into Slytherin after our founder left. Though, you know, clearly, I think overall the number of muggle-borns would be much smaller in Slytherin than other houses, traditionally speaking, of course. Oh, and speaking of tradition, we can't talk about Slytherin without talking about our founder, Salazar Slytherin. And thank you, J.K. Rowling, for giving us so many S names in our house to make us sound even more like snakes when we speak. Chamber of Secrets has a great quote in which we learn a little bit about the founder of Slytherin and what happened with the Chamber of Secrets. And I'll read you the quote here. He believed that Hogwarts should be selective about its admission of magical students, only opening doors to those who came from all magic families. He believed that students of Muggle parentage were untrustworthy. The differences in philosophies caused a rift between the founders, and Slytherin left the school. After he departed, a legend emerged that Slytherin had left a chamber of secrets within the castle. The chamber supposedly held a beast which he alone could control, which had the power to purge the school of those with less than purely magical blood. Now, was Salazar evil? All I can look at are the foundations that were put down in the books, and the rest is really just a bunch of theories. Now, I have a difficult time, personally, believing that the other three oh-so-powerful founders of Hogwarts would just allow some evil wizard to be the fourth founder that they were going to work alongside of. It wouldn't really make any sense, and to say that maybe they just didn't know he was evil would really be to sort of discredit the other three from being any sort of great wizard, as they're held up to be in such high esteem. And it does seem that Gryffindor and Salazar were actually pretty close at one time but as can happen in all friendships, disagreements did come up about things. We know this from the books, and this was a critical point of disagreement. Okay, just a side note here. For the sake of argument, nothing more. But I do want you to remember that these founders were actually working back in the medieval time period, so this was a time, especially according to the wizarding world that was created in these books, when muggles were actively hunting down magical people and killing them. So based on that knowledge, I can totally understand Salazar's distrust of muggle-borns and I'm not saying that he's right or wrong but clearly he was very protective of the magical world and he was very distrustful of the muggle one and for good reason again at the time period so he developed this opinion that all magic should be kept in pure wizarding families but many argue he left a basilisk to murder all the muggle borns at hogwarts that is completely evil well it's certainly not good no but again He could have very likely seen a potential war brewing, and he saw muggles at the time as the ultimate threat. And again, they actually were, a thousand years ago, a very active threat towards the wizarding world. So he definitely wanted to keep the muggle-borns out of Hogwarts. Now, there's no record that Salazar ever used the basilisk. It's almost like it was there for insurance purposes, if Hogwarts ever needed to be protected. So why did he leave it for his heirs? Again, he was a pure blood, so that just made sense. The thing is, we really don't know all the details about Salazar and all of his reasons. Even the Chamber of Secrets book uses phrases like according to legend and the story goes when they're explaining things about the chamber or about Salazar or about the basilisk. And Professor Ben says a lot of the historical documents were lost or don't really tell us all of the reasons. And of course, It was a thousand years ago, and most of this has been passed down as stories. My point in all of that is simply to say it's not a black or white issue to say that the founder of Slytherin was a bad guy or evil, because we just really don't have the written canon facts from the books to back that up. In my own personal opinion, I think there's actually more evidence to suggest the opposite. Unlike Voldemort, who is clearly stated to be evil, But the perception tends to be, most of the time, that Salazar was evil, and you can even see the way that Professor McGonagall and the others refer to him. It's a very tainted view, but we know that he actually did a lot of great things for the school, and at some point he was both a friend and mutually respected by the other founders. The last thing that on Salazar that I found interesting, and it's another quote, this one from The Goblet of Fire, talking about the sorting ceremony, and I'll read it for you. It says, During its song at the sorting ceremony, the hat says that the power-hungry Salazar Slytherin valued very ambitious students over all others. Along with the other founders, Slytherin helped give the sorting hat brains to allow it to sort the students itself after they were gone now all of the things he valued and all of the things that he could have put into the sorting hat's magic he did not use a pure bloods only as his qualification for slytherin sorting instead what he put into the hat were students who had great ambition and i just mentioned that as a side note there because to me, it was not about a good or evil, and not even about the fact that mainly Slytherin would just be comprised of purebloods. I believe the most important thing was that ambitious quality, uh, more than anything else was Salazar. But again, no matter how you view our illustrious founder, the perception of our house certainly began to shift over the next thousand years which included many stories of bad wizards and terrible things that happened in the wizarding world as a result of people who, unfortunately, were also Slytherins, but we'll cover more about that in a moment. Let's go ahead and move to the present course, where the very first book picks up Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone, or Philosopher's Stone, depending on where you are. And my first example, Harry Potter's point of view slytherins are the bad guys let's break that down a little bit starting with the very first time we learn about the hogwarts houses and how they're going to relate to our main character in the series we all know when you start a story you introduce your hero and your protagonist and you set up the world of your story and our hero harry was destined to be a gryffindor We see this when he meets Ron on the train and he hears about the houses, and it's evident from the very beginning that J.K. Rowling, when she created the houses, selected a house of heroes, the good guys, the ones we are supposed to ultimately root for. And the symbolism here is really obvious. The colors of red and gold? Kingly, heroic, bold. Gold is the first place standard around the world and the mascot, the lion, proud, noble, and in the biblical reference, always a symbol of kingship and of Jesus. Now, in most stories, you typically have a bad guy, an antagonist, or a foil for your main hero, that opposite character. So she also sets that up from the very beginning with Harry meeting of all the eventual Slytherins he could meet on the train, Draco Malfoy. So basically the polar opposite of Ron, and Harry learns of this house on an immediate negative level, and that's the way it was intended. Now, the colors of my house, green and silver, green being snake-like, of course, and it sort of gives us that potential feeling of maybe jealousy or envy or power, and then we have silver. How very second place that silver seems to be as we go through the series. And our mascot, of course, would be a snake. In Western culture especially, it's quite clear that we think of things that are cunning and conniving, and as a perfect foil to Gryffindor's Christ-like lion, we have the devil-like serpent. So all the bias against Slytherin and towards Gryffindor for Harry begins before he even reaches Hogwarts. And again, this was intended from the very beginning. She needed a bad guy house to be a foil for her good guy house. And I get that and it completely works and needs to happen that way. But this is a good part to mention. And this is something that I remind my students of as we study the books in my own classes, that the entire series is told from Harry's point of view which means that very little, especially when it relates to people, is actually very objective, especially in the first few books. Now, we know as the books go on, the point of view does shift uh, a few times, but especially looking at those first several books, it is all completely through Harry's eyes. So we even see that Harry quickly develops a bias against Snape before he even meets him based on the conversation he has at the Gryffindor table. But that is a larger topic for later. Point being, we tend to see people, houses, and even the story as Harry sees it, and it's through the lens of his perception. And of course, as I've said before, Slytherin, we do have a reputation, and we can't ignore that, but even with this reputation, it still doesn't mean that everything Harry has heard about the house is accurate, going all the way back to Hagrid's comments that I mentioned earlier. But the perception is solidified from that point on regardless, and with Harry's constant run-ins with his own personal foil-slash-antagonist Draco, the perception continues, even if we only see a small fraction of the entire Slytherin population, which is very true when you think about it. The only real Slytherins we get to see on any depth or level in the series are ones that unfortunately are not the nicest or become potential death eaters, so on and so forth. And that leads us into part two, which is the characteristics and the attributes of my house. Now, you don't have to have all of these traits, of course, to be a Slytherin any more than you have to have all the traits to be another house. But if you see yourself in the ones I've mentioned, you might be a snake yourself. And if you are, be proud. We are a fine house who have been tainted by a lot of bad wizards. But speaking of that, let's focus for a second on why are there so many that do go wrong in this house? Well, look back to our traits, ambition, the need for control, for power to prove ourselves, sometimes overthinking things. We have those qualities and those attributes, usually, not always, but usually coupled inside with either a sense of low self-esteem, or sometimes we are extremely hard on ourselves. we can be perfectionist. And so when you put those two things together, it can leave a lot of Slytherin's feeling very vulnerable. And when you are vulnerable, it is very easy to be led down a darker path or a wrong path. Another thing about Slytherins is we are very deeply emotional, very highly emotional. If you've ever done an Enneagram, a lot of personality type fours can be in Slytherin. Um, and we are highly emotional. We're very much individualist and we feel that need to control our emotions, but we feel them very deeply. Look at Snape. He was a very emotional person who knew how to control them because he knew that without controlling his emotions, um, he was susceptible to to things that could happen to him. So in a Slytherin, sometimes we can have this this massive combination of deep emotions, a vulnerability, and then this need for control and for power and to prove ourselves and ambition. And that can just go off the rails very easily. So even though there are other bad wizards from other houses, I think the qualities of Slytherin can create a perfect storm. And that is why there is such a large number of wizards that go bad within our house and it just shows the importance of having the right people around you you can see how that goes with Albus Severus Potter and with Scorpius Malfoy they had the right people around them with someone like Snape he did not have the right people around him with people like Voldemort there's just a lot of loneliness that can go on within the house as well this house of individualist and this house that that pretends to be so strong on the outside. So if you are a Slytherin, I hope you know that it is important to surround yourself with the right people, the positivity that you need, the goals and attributes um, and and the focus in life to do good things and to be a better person and, and to not isolate yourself or be led by people that you know are not healthy for you because Slytherins do have a little bit of that vulnerability. And of course, speaking of vulnerable characters, we have Severus Snape, who is the best example of our house and shows us that snakes are capable of so many more things than they are given credit for. And I'm not going to talk about Snape here because he deserves an episode all his own. So that will be coming up pretty soon. And that my friends are my thoughts on my house. I am proud to be a snake, and I think there are a lot of really amazing snakes out there. So if you know one, show some appreciation. And if you are one, use your qualities to help make the wizarding world and this world a better place. If you have a comment or a question, feel free to leave it on my YouTube or my website or even my TikTok. Coming up in the next few episodes, I will be tackling the subjects of Harry Potter and the Cursed Child stage play and production. I will tackle our illustrious and lovely Professor Snape and what my experience has been in the TikTok world cosplaying as the professor and also an episode on writing tips and strategies. So if those interest you, I hope you will stick around and uh, keep listening to episodes. Until then, I hope you have a very magical day. So gather up all of your materials and make your way to the door as class is dismissed.